Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News presented by the Harrier. Uh, make sure you go and check them out, especially on Instagram. They're doing uh, buy two, get one free for their shirts, uh, posters, things like that going on right now. Uh, so definitely don't want to miss out. And when you do purchase something, make sure you use code TWN and you can get 20% off of your order. So go and do that. Also help support the show. Holidays are right around the corner. Perfect gift that you can get for really anyone that you know. Uh, so now want to get into it. We are just what two days away from Thanksgiving. Uh, if depending on when you're listening to this might've already happened, it might be just around the corner, but Thanksgiving is almost here. And so I wanted to walk through, what is it? Seven things. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Seven things that I'm thankful for within the track and field community. So if you're a seasoned listener of the podcast, you know I've had plenty of times where I'm just complaining or bashing or talking about things that are not good in our sport. And I figure, why not talk about some things that I do like about track and field? Because it seems like I really don't like running or, or track. And so it, many people might be like, well, what do you like? Uh, here's at least seven things. So there are Many more, but I tried to narrow it down to seven so we don't, you know, go for too long. Um, so number one, and this is in no particular order, but number one, I really enjoy the supportive community. So something that you don't really see too often in other places, in other sports, would be just how connected everyone that competes in your, not just event group, but in other events are, you know, when you're at competitions. Uh, so a great example that I can think of, because I was a pole vaulter, is if your pole breaks or if you are running out of poles on your series and you're jumping, you know, a lot better than you think you are, you'll have other athletes that are in that same competition being willing to give you advice on, on how you can improve your jump or even sharing poles. I mean, that doesn't happen in other sports. You're not going to see football players giving tips on, hey, this is how you can improve your, your route a little bit. Uh, you're not going to be seeing basketball players, you know, sharing different, I don't know, there's not many items you can share like that, but it's it doesn't happen very often. You don't see baseball players sharing bats. There you go. I guess that would be an, an equivalent, equivalent thing. And that's something you see in track because it's not really you versus each other in most cases. It's you versus the clock, you versus the bar, you versus whatever it is. Of course, everyone still wants to win. This isn't saying people don't want to win, but it's much more supportive because people know we're all in this together, uh, especially with those uh, events or sports that are a little bit more obscure within track and field. You see it especially a lot in the, the multis, the, the jumps, the throws that people are very, very, very supportive on, on events. It happens in the 100, 200, you know, 15, all that as well. But it's just very cool because it's not something you see very often in other sports and something that I like. At times it can be a little bit much because I'm, I'm like, hey, let's, this is still a competition. You still want to beat each other. And so I do still like that, you know, when you see people 
trash talking or, or whatever it is. It's still great. Um, but it, I do like the fact that we are very supportive within our, within our cultures here. And then the, the next thing that I really do like is the fact that anyone can compete. So this isn't like hockey or like football or like any of the, these other sports where you have to have many items in order to compete. So in hockey, you got to buy all that gear Uh, in baseball. You got to buy, you know, the bat, the glove, all the, the clothing, all that stuff. And that can become very, very expensive in track and field. You just need a pair of shoes, a pair of shoes, a pair of spikes for your competition and you're able to go and really don't even need spikes. If you're, you're an entry level kid, you, all you need is your pair of shoes. That can be what? 10, 15 bucks. And, and then you're done. You got that, get a pair of shorts, get a shirt and you're, you're good to go. And you can compete in majority of the events. And so of course, a few events, it's going to be other items you'll need. So like the, the throw throwing events or many of the vertical jumps, you're going to need other things, but you can compete in virtually any event and be able to compete at a high level. And it's really, it's really cool because it allows for anyone to be able to do our sport. There's no gatekeeping with a dollar amount attached. So it's not like a, Hey, I I can't afford to do this event. Now this is, this is something that anyone can do and anyone can be great at. doesn't matter what's your socioeconomic background, where you come from, what you look like. Anyone can compete and anyone can be great. And that's something that I really like about our sport. It's something that I think is, is super cool. Uh, Next thing, you can be successful anywhere. And so this is, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you'll know that I am super adamant that you do not have to be one of these athletes that is going to a Power 5 school in order to run Power 5 times. We just had an interview yesterday, or this past weekend, uh, with Katie Najat, who is an Olympic champion. She just won Olympic gold in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. And she went to a division two school, Ashland University in Ohio. And it's just showing that you do not have to be at these power five schools that everyone knows your name and everyone knows the the logos and all that in order to be successful. Sure, you can. And it's not like it's going to be a detriment, like you're, you're going to be bad if you go to these. And it's not like you're going to be good if you go to those either. It's just an option that you can go to because there's good coaches anywhere. It's you're able to get the facilities that you need, the coaches that you need. And if you have that, you can be successful anywhere. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in my last point, but that's something that I really love. And you can, you, you see ballers anywhere. You know, there's anyone can be a champion no matter where you go. Just make sure that you have a coach that really blends with you. Uh, you can understand where they come from, where they can understand where you're coming from. And if you have the the right tools, like you can go. You don't need to have every single bell and whistle. I mean, we've, we've seen Oregon is always trying to be top of the line and making sure they're getting all the, all the great things. Sure, it's helpful to have all those extra cryogenic chambers, hot tubs, cold tubs, you know, yoga therapies, all that stuff. It's great. It's not going to be, it's going to help you be a better athlete, but you don't need it. And so what you do need is to have that good support system, good teammates around you and great dedication. You can, you can be great anywhere. Um, next thing I'd say that I do, and I'm really thankful for, uh, here with track and field is that majors. And I'm talking about like the Olympics, the Olympic trials, world championships can be a week long event, even longer. 
And as a track fanatic, that's something that I really like. Now, I do recognize for the novice fan, it might be a little bit too much uh, track and field. You want to be able to condense it into a, a two-hour event. But for me, I love the fact that this is like a week-long event for some of our biggest competitions of the year because it spreads out all of these great athletes over the course of a week. So you get so much more competition. It's like a, the difference in a single concert versus a festival where a concert, you're going to get your, some of your favorite artists are going to be competing or are going to be performing over what, three, four hours, whatever it might be. That's great. Like you can see some great shows and then you're able to go home that night and you're good to go. You don't have to worry about it. And so those things are really good. And then these majors are like the festivals of the world. And you, you don't want to have a festival every single time. Like you don't want to be going to festivals every single week because then it's like, oh man, this is a lot. So I do like the fact that it's not too often that you see these, but when they do happen, it's a treat. And it's something that I love because you're able to stretch all of the greatest athletes competing three times maybe because of the prelims, the semis, and then the finals. And then you're getting two or three, four, maybe even four hours of track every single day for like a week. And so it's just like for me as a fan, it's just so much and it's so exciting. I, I was really loving the Olympics. It sucked because of the timing with the fact that it was – either really early in the morning or really late at night, that kind of sucked. But the Olympic trials, I really did love because that was over the course of a week as well. And it being in the United States, it was a little bit closer to the time that I was used to. So I didn't have to wake up all too early or, or go to bed all too late, but it was very, very exciting. And I am hoping that we can continue doing that for our majors. Obviously don't want it to be every single week, but I really do love having that because yeah, it's like going to a festival. You want to go to a festival every now and then and have be able to see tons of artists over the course of, you know, two or three days. It's the same thing here with track. You're able to see tons of athletes over the course of a week or even more, especially if you're at the Olympics. So very exciting, um, and that's something that I'm very thankful for uh, here with, with track and field. And then the next thing that I really do like about track – is that it is the sport in its purest form. And so what do I mean by that? So every, I guess for millennia, ever since you know people were around, you've always wanted to know who is the fastest, who is the strongest, who can jump the highest. Like those are the core things of what people have always wanted to know. Hey, how who can get from point A to point B the fastest? Who can take this rock and chuck it the farthest? Who can lift the heaviest item? You know, all who can jump from this thing to that thing? Like all of those are just the purest sense of athleticism and sports around. And all other sports are based off of those same types of things. Basketball, who can jump really high? Uh, weightlifting, literally, who can lift the most? You know, you have football with strength and agility and all that. And so all of these other sports take those three components and then alter them a little bit and add or subtract certain things, whether it be adding a, a ball or a puck or whatever it might be, a field of play, rules, change it up a little bit. Track and field takes that and then strips all the extra bells and whistles away and then has it in its purest form. You want to know who the fastest person in the world is? track and field 100 meters boom you know there is no oh it could have been that could have been that like no the fastest person in the world is who gets from this point to that point the quickest and we know who that is in 
10 seconds or less, whatever that might be. Uh, you want to know who is the strongest? You know, we, ha we have events like that. Take a look at the throws. You can see, look at these shot putters. They're chucking these stones the length of basketball courts. You, you want to know who can jump the highest? Take a look at high jump or long jump for the farthest. So I love the fact that it just is the most purest sense of things. And it's like the, you can just take a look at the stats and the numbers of it. Where with basketball or football, you can have debates on who's great or who's not. With track, it's really the debating is stripped down to a minimalist amount because you know what the person ran. You know how many times they ran it. And so you can be able to make your reasoning on who's better, who's not based off of that. Now, obviously, you can still have debates, uh, but I, I like the fact that it's just the purest form of sport. And you really can take away the bells and whistles and be able to see who really is the greatest or, or not based on that. So that's something that I'm really thankful for with, uh, with track. And so my, my last one here is going to be, I really like the parity that we have within the NCAA and track and field. And the biggest example of the exact opposite of this, with, especially within the NCAA, is football. Like, take a look at who are the top programs within college football. Like, who is going to win the national championship? Well, it's either going to be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. You might see Michigan in there. Like you, you'll you'll see a few people, you know, going in and, and and sneaking out. But it's going to be the same, maybe ten schools, give or take, that are going to win a national title. Like that, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the same types of people are, are going to be in that conversation every single year. And it, it doesn't change. And you can even say it's less than that. It's the same four or five schools. I mean, you are, you know, Alabama's going to be there every time. And so there's no parity in the NCAA when it comes to football, but there is a lot when it comes to track and field, like anyone can win a national title within track and field, anyone. And you, you go, and a lot, oftentimes you'll be seeing athletes from very tiny schools being able to not only make it to nationals and, and score, but winning it, uh, winning at a high level as well. Uh, I like the fact that you take a look at the NCAA March Madness pool. Like you can have schools taking off major schools and making crazy upsets. UMBC, 16 seed, taking down number one Virginia a few years back. You don't see that very often. And you see that type of parity in track and field every single day. There are people from major schools that lose to people from schools you've never heard of in the middle of, uh, you know, the middle of states you never heard of as well. And so it's, it's something that I really, really enjoy that anyone can win on any given day. And it doesn't matter where you go to school you can be beaten by anybody. And I've liked the fact that they have the, the competitions where you'll have a lot of athletes competing from a different school, from different schools. It's not just head to head. Now I do like dual meets and I wish that there would be more dual meets, but if we're not going to have that model, we're just going to keep the invitational model. I like the fact that you're going to have 10, 15 schools at a meet, maybe even more. And you can really see like these major programs are going up against uh, very small programs. You'll have JUCOs, Division Two, II, Division Three, Division One. 
majors, power fives, all on the same track. And I think it's really cool when you have all of that because then you're going to be seeing when people from smaller schools beat bigger schools. And it's going to happen on a pretty consistent basis. Obviously, if you're a power five school, you're probably going to have be at that top a little bit more often. And when it comes to uh, team titles, like the bigger schools are going to win those as well. But even with the team titles, we're starting to see a shift. I mean, just this past year with the outdoor championships, we saw North Carolina A&T come in, what was it, third? And they had a really good chance to win a team title, North Carolina A&T. I mean, give me a, like, tell me the last time that an HBCU school was in the final four. Like, like that, I don't, I don't think that's happened or it hasn't happened in my lifetime. And that's essentially what and North Carolina A&T did. North Carolina A&T was an HBCU that made it to a, the equivalent of a power, uh, the equivalent of a final four or making it to the college football playoff. That is what North Carolina A&T did. And I don't think enough people are really recognizing how amazing that was. The, the fact that a non-Power 5 school made it to that high of a scoring chance. Like, they were very, very dominant this past year. And it's something that we're going to be seeing more and more often because all you need are a few really good athletes and you can rattle off some uh, high amounts of points and be able to be in that conversation or be winning a team title. So those are the seven things that I am super thankful for and really like in track and field. So to say what they were again, supportive community, anyone can compete. You can be successful anywhere you go. The major competitions can be a week-long event. It's the it's sport in its purest form. Uh, and North Carolina uh, uh, NCAA parity. Oh, I'm so sorry. I missed one. I just looked at it right now. I missed one. Uh, the seventh one, because those were six, is are that pros interact with their fans on social media on a pretty consistent basis. If you try to, you know, send a DM to. Uh, or just a message or tweet at any athlete in the NFL or the NBA, you know, Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, LeBron James, James Harden, all these players are never going to get back to you. You're not going to hear back from them ever. But if you message, tweet at, you know, whatever it is to some of your favorite track athletes, good chance they're going to get back to you. And a lot of them are very nice. Uh, it's, it's super cool that, and I like the fact that some of these athletes at their, the topest, the, you know, the highest level are interacting with their fans. I mean, for example, Trayvon Bermel had a Twitter, a live Twitter conversation and he was inviting just anyone to talk. I, I spoke and asked him a few questions and I wasn't under my track world news account. So it's not like I looked like a news account it was under my personal account. And I was just asking him a few questions. Like he didn't know that I was any type of commentator in track and field. He just saw my name, invited me to call, invited me to talk, allowed me to ask him two or three questions. I did. And he was like, Hey, great talking to you, man. It's like, that doesn't happen with, <laughs> with athletes at the top of the sport. Like Trayvon Brumell equivalents in any other sport, like they're not going to give you the time of day, but athletes here in track and field do. And I think it's really cool. So uh, that is the final list. So supportive community, anyone can compete. You can be successful anywhere. Majors, major camp championships can be a week-long event. It is sport in its purest form. There is a lot of parity within the NCAA, and then that, and that pro athletes interact with their fans on social media on a pretty consistent basis. So 
Um, what do you guys think? What are some of the things that you are thankful for within the sport of track and field? I know that we complain and, uh, you know, groan about a lot of things in track, but it's been really good as well. There's some definite positives. So let me know what I missed. If you're listening on Spotify, there is a poll where I actually ask what things are you thankful for uh, in track and field. Feel free to write down your answer there. Uh, always love the interactions. Uh, make sure that you leave a like, leave a review, give us five stars. It only takes you a few seconds, but it really does mean the world to help grow this show if you if you do take the time to do that. I'd be very thankful for, for it if you did. Uh, my name's Colin Waitsman. Uh, follow us on track at track world news on Instagram. We have different news, uh, clips, highlights, and all that type of stuff, especially with indoor season getting started. We're going to start ramping back up the things that we're going to be posting. We took a little bit of a, a break during this time that there's not a lot of stuff going on, but now that we're going to have track and geez, by the time, let me see. Okay, no. By the time the next episode comes out, we won't won't have a meet. But we are three episodes away from having our first meets. Really, two weeks away in, in two episodes. Yeah, we'll be having our first meets because first competitions are happening in, what, December 10th? So, yeah. In not this, not next episode, but the episode after that, we'll be doing previews of the season. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's right around the corner. But thank you so much for listening. Uh... Yeah, make sure you do all that. The stuff on the podcast really does help us out. Talk to you soon. See you later. Peace.